Welcome to the NDIS Property Australia podcast. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hi guys, you're here today with Matthew and Min uh, from the office. Our topic of discussion today is people with disability stuck in hospital. Uh, But first off, just an update about how we're going. Um, So we've been receiving a lot of good feedback from our podcast. People are really interested in the topics that we've been doing. Um, So on that note, if you do have any topics that you're interested in, feel free to reach out to us and we can do an episode on it. Um, But um, going forward, uh, we've, um, we're going down to Melbourne actually next week, uh, to check out, um, the factory, which will be, uh, doing our builds down there. Um, and we're also in the future working on, um, some apartments in Perth and some home and land packages in Tasmania coming up. So, hey, Min, how are you doing today? Good, thanks. It's been a very long month of May and can't wait for it to be finished for us to start another busy month of June. Indeed. Came, Indeed. Just came back from um, Townsville last week. Had a nice few days up in Townsville to attend the Regional Disability Expo. It was a small event, but it was good to see um, our, our regular providers who we bump into all the time at all the shows, all the expos. They're doing their regional events, you know, Mackay, Cairns, Townsville, and all those kind of things. And it's always good to network with all the civil providers and, and housing providers, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So our topic today, um, so people stuck in hospitals with disabilities. So um, recently a uh, report was done based on a number of studies by the Summer Foundation as well as La Trobe University. So this came out uh, May 2022, um, so just uh, last month. So currently um, there are 1,140 participants um, which are in the NDIS scheme, which are stuck in hospital awaiting funding for housing and support, which would eventually allow them to discharge. So the pathway from a hospital to the community for people with disability and complex needs is generally being categorised uh, by both um, delayed discharges and prolonged admissions. So a new report from the LA, uh, sorry, the Latrobe University and Southern Foundation just essentially presented key findings um, from three studies that they did on the discharge and planning process. Yeah, Matt, this uh, this survey was was good to read in the last few days because it follows on it follows on from our our, our, our recent podcast we did uh, about the SDA approvals and um, reviews decision-making, because the biggest reason why these participants who are in death participants who are stuck in the hospital is because they can't, they, they have nowhere to go for housing, that's number one, and number two, they have their funding has not been approved because of, you know, the lengthy process red tape of the mm-hmm. scheme applications, mm-hmm. which is application process and then also the appeals process, as you know. So, you know... The challenges experienced by these participants to access housing and services 
71% reported difficulties in securing housing um, and the challenges associated with, with the housing supports is is because it resulted in the delayed discharges and prolonged admissions of the NDIS participants into the hospital. So the challenges associated with lengthy delays in the NDIS decisions regarding housing were common, were frequently described as the reasons why. And, and the survey from this, this report issued by the Summer Foundation, um, you know, it's, it says that there's a very thin competitive market. It's, it's hard to get into the marketplace. And you know, we, we see the news every day, you know, hot property, property market, no land, builders are stressed with regards to margins and lack of, you know, workers and raw materials and all, and supply chains. So delivery of products being housing has been hard in the marketplace yeah, overall, yeah. Absolutely. And I was just going to say on top of that, uh, most of the new land releases, a lot of them go towards first home yeah. owners mm. um, rather than, than the NDIS. So the interim and long-term housing options in the preferred location of the NDIS participants are also rarely available. You know, they may live in a suburb and say, oh, I want to be where I have grew up, grew up with all my family and friends, but there's no availability. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's also yeah. hard to get into. So, you know, more more specifically, securing housing in those in rural areas as well because, you know, people in hospitals come from rural regions as well. Yep. Um, it's also a big challenge because of the limited options as well. So, uh, and group group homes seem to be the only option, housing option for people with, with urgent need for accessible housing. That's just a short-term solution only, you know. That's a short-term solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, they've said that they've got a, they've had a, an apparent reduction in time spent in hospital since 2017, um, but there's still a lot of variability in that, and um, very long hospitalizations were found throughout each year um, that they completed the data collection for. Um, and so while there's been improvements, it is still taking a median of. 48 days uh, for an access request form to be submitted, despite the vast majority of people going on to become NDIS participants. So some people are still waiting months for a plan approval. So what a lot of people don't realise, Min, is uh, you have situations where sometimes just getting approved takes a lot longer than simply uh, moving. There's, there's mm. two components to it where there's getting yeah. your plan sorted um, getting yourself ready to move and then actually the moving process. Um, so uh, when we look at the reasons for delays to discharge, we've got the biggest factors are NDIS planning related and then sourcing a suitable discharge destination. Mm. But another one, Matt, I see in this report is finding the right support providers. Mm. So in a hospital setting, you have the nurses and doctors yes. and the beds in a safe environment. But trying to find a house or a place to move to is 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 is, is the big issue, as you mentioned, and that's why they're stuck there. They're there, right? But the second most frequently reported challenge is accessing services, support providers, civil providers. Mm. So it says here. Let me, let me read it word for word. In the hospital setting, survey respondents reported that finding and engaging with providers in a timely manner was challenging. Finding appropriate providers in a timely fashion is particularly important in the hospital setting due to pressures to free up hospital beds and prevent prolonged admissions. Respondents reported that potential service providers often lacked specialised knowledge about people with disability complex needs. There you go. Mm. So there's a discrepancy of information from people in the hospital 
versus people yeah, who are outside. The support workers, they, they don't have the specialised skill mm. to look after every single different type of disability, mentally or physically. So they are support workers, not nurses. Exactly. Nurses are trained three, four years in a university and training on hospitals to look after all types of participants or, or, or patients. But here we're talking about releasing patients as participants back in the community to be looked after by a, I won't say newbie, but a, 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 a support worker who has minimal experience in looking after a patient. Wide range yeah, hospital. And, and that's yeah. the reason why. So it's, it's challenging for them to find a house, a home, let alone finding a support worker or service to look after them. <clears throat> yes, yeah. So to kind of, I guess, drill down into the, the actual numbers we've got here, 34.5% of all patients um, experience a delay to discharge. Mm-hmm. And the most common reasons for um, this dis- discharge were planning-related delays, which was 33%, um, then sourcing a suitable discharge destination, whether that's, as you mentioned, a group home, an NDIS property, SDA, whatnot, um, that's 25%, and then arranging the supports on discharge. <coughs> so that would fall under you know, carer recruitment and training or having a SIL present. That sort mm. of thing. So let me read this paragraph here, Matt, from this report. Currently, the NDS market is not meeting the needs of people with disability, thus affecting their ability to choose their, to live in preferred locations with specific support arrangements. Moreover, existing processes to gain funding to purchase supports do not align with the needs of people with complex support needs at the point of hospital discharge. Timely access to funding to, to purchase short-term supports would likely expedite hospital discharge and decrease the, the workload of t- clinicians involved, ultimately reducing hospital length of stays. So there you go. Mm. Mm. So where were you? As before I interrupt, I was just um, I was just mostly talking about just the barriers to discharge. So the combined findings of these studies highlight the complexities in navigating the interface between both hospitals, the NDIS as well as the housing sectors. Mm. Um, So the hospital discharge trajectory for the NDIS participants uh, comprises of obviously multiple milestones that must be completed in a linear fashion to obtain the necessary supports and discharge with appropriate housing and supports. So um, what a lot of people also don't realise is how if you're knocked back um, from a specific funding goal or need um, you need to in some cases restart the process again um, so unfortunately this means that that a delay in the achievement of one milestone will likely impact on the entire discharge trajectory so at time of hospital admission the time taken to identify NDIS participants and submit um, an ARF um, is remains probably lengthy throughout all years of the data collection mm. So given the NDIS planning was highlighted as the most frequent reason for delays of discharge, the delayed identification of eligible participants um, likely exacerbates existing pressures to arrange supports and quickly discharge the participants from the hospital. Mm. So obviously early submissions of NDIS applications (laughs) and early assessment of housing needs and preferences uh, probably represent the most opportunity for hospitals to improve um, on their hospital discharge trajectories. Yep. I'm just looking at a recent article online here, Matt, on the Sydney Morning Herald, 19th of May, 2022. 
It says the state government has, in Victoria has revealed more than 200 Victorians with a disability were stuck in hospital for an average of 160 days after they were well enough to be discharged and blamed the hold-up on the NDIS scheme. Yeah. Yep, so I guess the unnecessary bed delays were, were you know, were calculated from the, the date the date from when they're clinically, clinically ready for discharge to the date of actual discharge. And it ranges from months to even a year to get out of the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah so, apparent, so I caught in this as well, um, obviously um, relating to the housing out- outcomes, such as home and living request forms, um, these were reported to be particularly, will represent a high percentage of that time, um, both in terms of being lengthy and unpredictable. So... Um, this outcome of extended waiting periods ultimately results in cl- clinicians being unable to arrange a timely discharge mm. and then the NDIS participants, therefore, having to spend a long time in hospital without even a plan, really. Yeah. So there's no, there's no plan and, therefore, there's no progression when there should be – that progression should happen a lot sooner. Yeah. So consequently, um, one part of that is producing – the evidence required to justify, say, receiving SDA funding. Yep. That's a huge part of it as well. So um, producing quality evidence with the input of specialist stakeholders, and that's specialist stakeholders, that's someone who actually understands the conditions that a NDIS participant or inpatient might have. Mm. Um, that continues being a, a challenging process um, yep. as those long-term supports um it's both time-consuming and challenging to obtain the funding that directly relates to that specific participant. Yeah. Matt, do you remember um, an old podcast that you did with Phil Usher at LifeBright? Yes. Yep. Yeah, so those apartments for HPS there, they are meant for short-term accommodation and medium-term accommodation. Mm. So medium-term accommodation funding is for participants who are waiting for their... Um, SDA property to be built. Mm. So there will be a lot of properties out there eventually in the future which will, will be empty, right, for whatever reason. And people like these patients in the who are NDS-funded patients can go to these life-bright facilities, as an example, yes. or yep. empty houses with spare rooms to be managed on a short-term basis or a medium-term basis. So there is funding in place by the government in the NDS scheme uh, and to cater for that, yeah, and, and the providers, the yeah. SIL providers, and the housing providers, they know this. Yep. So it, it, this is, there's a bit of a, a little gap here between hospital and them versus mm. nowhere to go. Uh, I think if we can get more SIL providers to reach out to to other hospitals, to hospitals specifically, right? Let them know about their, um, you know, their available rooms. That'll be a good step in the, in, the, in the whole process here. Because with time moving forwards, Matt, there'll be a lot more, a lot more. A lot less um, houses being released due to lack of land, as we as we all know is the issue in Australia at the moment, mm-hmm. and the delay yep. of construction. So, to those, those those bottleneck factors are going to affect the supply of NDS housing. Yes, of course. So, a solution is hopefully we can marry up more of the um, you know uh, available rooms out there in the marketplace around Australia to the hospital. So if you are a provider out there listening in, if you are an investor who has an empty house or empty room, please um, reach out to your providers, the housing provider or the seal providers, and um, maybe they can talk to the hospitals and see whether they can help out. Yeah. 
Awesome, awesome. That's good feedback. I think this is a good um, topic to cover today because it's it's one of those un non not discussed topics. Yep. Yep. I mean, we all know it's there, but we don't really think about it and talk about it because in I feel like in the minds of a lot of investors, participants exist. Yep. And that's they just you know, and it's like there's a process and there's you know understanding that process. Obviously, that impacts um, you know. Ultimately, the, the 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 scheme that is SDA mm. and NDIS. I'd like to um, let people, our listeners, know that although that we are a SDA business, SDA business, specialist, specialist this is really a combination business, and our investors and listeners are SDA focused. Mm. There is STA short term accommodation and MTA medium term accommodation, which we haven't really touched on right here yet, but we we should touch on it in the future. We will do an episode on that because. It's the backup plan because the question that we often ask is, well, what if, where do you get the participants from? From providers. Or where do they get it from? From civil providers. Where do they get it from? Hospitals and nursing homes. Mm. So that is the answer, right? They come from hospitals and nursing homes and mostly um, private accommodation families, right? Mm. But, um, yeah, the the most urgent locations, um, resources or, or sources of participants are hospitals. Yes. Yeah. So that's one. That's one answer there. Anyway, I'm going off topic here. We want to leave it, leave it be. So Matt, you want to conclude where we are? Yeah. So um, I just thought I'd just address. Uh, so essentially, the findings of these three studies um, indicate that the interface between health, the NDIS, and housing for people with disability and complex needs has just mostly been categorised by delays. Um, at various milestones along the process. Um, and obviously this has serious implications for those stuck in hospital, awaiting funding, awaiting approval. Um, and currently the the NDIA doesn't really have clear guidelines on this. Um, it's very much a case by case basis, which makes it more complex. Um, so in terms of uh, what this uh, report highlighted, um, it gave a few recommendations, which I, I agree with. Um, the number one, the one, number one, one is that hospitals should implement early alert systems for people who are either NDIS participants or are likely to be eligible for NDIS. Um, so this would allow for an access request form to be submitted and for early assessment of the likely housing needs and preferences to be undertaken. So that just kind of jump starts the process where we're not, you know, thinking, oh when this person is recovered, we'll deal with that. Mm. We're actually getting the ball rolling early. Now, the second one, um, the NDIA should provide timely and flexible funding for people. So emphasis on flexible funding for people with disability and complex needs who are in hospital. Um, so currently people requiring permanent housing um, can have funding and support decisions within three days. However, the funding and support decisions for people under 65 with a disability can take weeks or months. Mm. So I'd, I'd like to see that changed. Um, and then thirdly, uh, the NDIA personnel. So this is planners, local area coordinators, SIL providers who are supporting people with disability and complex needs who are in hospital require a working knowledge of the specific needs and preferences of this um, this cohort. And I feel like they, they can't always have that. They can't always know everything. But if there was a way that we could kind of streamline that process, so in terms of the way that releases are done from hospitals, there was more knowledge about how that factors in and the exact guidelines on what's required, um, that would be very 
very much a good thing um, for this industry as a whole. Mm. Okay. So that pretty much concludes it then. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. If anyone has any uh, topics they want us to talk about from my NDIS or SDA perspective, we'd love to hear your thoughts and invite on um, special guest speakers. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Mm. So, yeah, if anyone's out there who has a has a question or wants us to address a particular topic, feel free to touch base with us. Or email us on. Or email us. Um, on info. Info at ndis.property. Cool. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Min. See you guys next time. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure that you are subscribed and following us so that you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this episode with those that can benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.